watching us on TV. I was like, big yawn there. Barker's leaning back, just chilling. Hmm. At least we weren't eating stuff. We don't eat stuff in this show. We don't snack like like between breaks or something like that. Ripped. <laughs> just kidding. Dan Shulman is the Blue Jays play salad. Yeah. Dan Shulman is the Blue, Jay Blue Jays play-by-play -play voice on Sportsnet. He joins us in a few minutes. Tony Gwynn Jr., San Diego Padres radio analyst. We'll see what Juan Mr. Soto. Gwynn thinks of the Mariners. Juan Soto scuffling. Man. Juan Soto I told is you not scuffling. to trade Bo Bichette. Stop it. <laughs> We've been giving you a chance uh, to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. Uh, whether you listen on the radio or on the podcast. And uh, yesterday we gave tickets away. We asked you the Blue Jays uh, player who holds the major league record for most home runs in one game with 10. I'm sorry, the Blue Jays hold the major league baseball record for most home runs in one game with 10. They accomplished this feat against the Orioles in an 18-3 win in 1987. Which longtime Blue Jay hit three home runs in that game? Our Lance Kennedy was all over this. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. He Barker had no clue. Yep. Ernie Witt was the answer to that question. Uh, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles at the Rogers Center on September 18th. I was all around this answer. This is now this is a, a good trivia one. question. It's a tough one. It I is. was all around it. I got one name right, didn't get the last name right. I don't know how that works, but and then I said, well, that's who I was thinking of. Remember, so, uh, yeah, of course yeah, you yeah, that's who you were thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which Oriole was the 2002 American League and 2005 All-Star MVP? Now, there's a catch to this. <clears throat> and, and I'm not saying catch is a hint. So he, he wasn't a catcher. But anyhow, which Oriole was the 2000? Because sometimes I do that, right? Didn't I give out? I give out the answer. It's rare. I gave out the answer the other day. To the it's thing, rare. Because it was just such a stupid trivia question. I just said the answer is Cal Ripken Jr. God, it, it was. It was like it was. A, but this question is different. So I'm not giving any hints. Uh, which Oriole was the 2002 AL and 2005 All-Star MVP? Text the answer to 59590 for your chance to win. See contest rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Which Oriole was the 2002 AL and 2005 All-Star MVP? Text us with your correct answer. You could win tickets to see the Jays and Orioles at the Rogers Center on September 18th. Um, we're going to be joined in a few seconds by Dan Shulman. You know, we didn't give any love to who we didn't give any love to Jimmy Garcia. We should have. We should have given some love to Jimmy Garcia. Uh, we, we, we may have touched on it a bit. Anthony Bass and Jimmy Garcia have become so reliable, reliable mm -hmm. and so integral to what John Schneider does. No question. And more to the point, I think the trickle down effect of those two guys has been to make just Make Jordan Romano even even ninth inning. Give Jordan Romano a little more eighth inning. Room. Yeah, seventh inning. Easy. So we, we talked. Kevin Cash talked about this uh, yesterday as well about Garcia getting two men on base, letting two men on base, and then he said just kicked it into gear, struck out a Rosarina, struck out Ramirez, struck out G Man Choi uh, with two men on base. Now. Kind of an odd guy in that there are days where you'll look at Jimmy Garcia and the velocity will be down a tick. How's he doing it? Kind Still of guy, effective. Right? Yeah, there yeah. are days where the velocity will be up a tick. Well, he'll hit 96 or 97, and mm -hmm. he's effective. How, explain that to me. Because he's not 
you know, the fireballer coming out of the back end Different of the Different arm angle. Uh, <laughs> the average against the four-seamer is 115. That, for me, is all you need to say. Like, it's a, he sometimes will throw the curve. He'll sometimes throw the slurve. It's more of a slurve than it is a slider. The sinker's a big pitch for him. End to right, he's away to lefties. But it's the four-seamer. The four-seamer's sneaky. He throws it in an arm, uh, a weird arm angle. It comes off his fingers hot. It seems like it gets on him. That 94 plays to like 96, 97, and he'll throw it, and fastball counts to a fastball hitter. Like, you know it's coming. You know I'm throwing it. You can't hit it. And I just think for me, that will make any manager look better. Again, this gets back to you need no-brainers. You need to think that, okay, if my starter can go five, I need to take care of the sixth and maybe the seventh, and now I got two or three guys that can take care of the eighth and ninth inning, and it just makes your team that much better. It makes your manager that much better. Quite frankly, it makes your pitchers that much better because they don't think they have to always be the man. But, man, just the things he does with that four-seamer, it's special. Let's bring in Dan Shulman, Blue Jays' voice on Sportsnet. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. We're, uh, you know, we talked a lot about we talked about a lot of things this morning, but I just felt like we didn't we didn't touch enough on on Jimmy Garcia. He's he's become huge for this team, hasn't he? Oh, there's no question. I think he's been uh, kind of undervalued, not internally, maybe publicly. Um, you know, Anthony Bass has been a huge addition to the bullpen. He's been here six weeks. So now, you know, there are kind of two guys to get big, big outs in big spots before you get to Jordan Romano. But Jimmy Garcia and, and Kevin, you were, you know, you were talking about it. The numbers against his forcing fastball are ludicrous. They're ridiculous. So, um, and for him to, to give up the two base hits to start the inning and then to come back and punch out three in a row, um, you know, I said last night on the air, one of the things they know they have, too, you called it a no-brainer, one of the things they know they have, too, in, in Bass and Garcia is they're not kids. They're not nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've both pitched in really, really big games, and I don't think their heart rate gets elevated very much, and you can't have enough of that in September and October. Whenever I say the word stripling, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Change up. Me too. Me too. Um, You know, and not to not to short sell the rest of his stuff, but uh, I think change up would be the first one. You know, we use the old cliche. He's playing chess out there. You know, I mean, he's such a he's such a thinker. You guys know that. And we ran a sequence of his at bat against Taylor Walls last night. And listen, Taylor Walls is not Randy Rosarena, but that's that's besides the point. First pitch, flip a curveball in up in the zone called strike which he did six times last night Mm -hmm. and they never swung at it Mm -hmm. not once and he flipped it in there for a strike six times second pitch was a two-seamer which he has started throwing a little bit to lefties now down and away and walls fouled it off weakly third pitch was a change up down and away see you later uh you know and against we haven't even talked about his four-seam fastball which although it's only 92 he generates a decent amount of swing and miss on it because there's so many other things in the in the batter's mind. And then the slider, which is a really good pitch for him against righties. So he's got a lot of weapons, and he's getting every single ounce out of his ability right now. I love calling his games because it's not just power blow you away. He's thinking his way through a start, and I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Danny, so good that if you have to use three of your big boys down the stretch the last, say, five games – him pitching game one, I think you'd be okay with that. 
I think you'd be okay with that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, we've all talked a lot about uh, what what kind of career he's had and look at him now. And I, I think it's we got to move past that point. In the now, and I heard you guys a little bit last night driving home, in the now, he's a stud, right? He's mm-hmm. six yeah. innings, six-plus innings, one run, two runs, never walks anybody, efficient with his pitches. Um, I think whether it's uh, the last game of the regular season, if you need it, or the first game of the playoffs, or the third game of the playoffs, or the first game of the next round, or whatever, he's one of your guys. There's no reason for him to not be considered one of your guys. Um, and li- listen, we still see that they're a little bit quicker with him third time through the order than they are with Manoa or Gosman. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way it's going to be. Like he went out there for the sixth inning. And the bullpen was up. Yes. I can't remember who it was. Simber. Simber was Simber up. Simber was up. Yeah. In the sixth inning. And, and I thought in the moment, it's like seven, eight, nine coming up. If a guy or two gets on, all of a sudden it's top of the order, third time through. They want to have a guy ready. So they, they take that, we want to have a guy ready step a little bit earlier with him. But, you know, whether it's five and two thirds or six or six and a third, he has earned the right to start any game that this team plays the rest of the way. Yeah, see, that, I'm, I'm glad you put it like that because Kevin and I talked about it a little bit this morning too. And, and I understand. it's Look, it's sports talk radio. We're all thinking the same thing. We, we, we all assume this team is going to make the playoffs. We're all sort of in our mind, okay, who's going to start? And, mm-hmm. But I think before we do that, we need to find out what those Orioles games are going to mean. And and I think, like, I've been guilty of looking at the Orioles series, Dan, and saying, I want those games to be meaningless. And what I meant by meaningless is I wanted them to have no impact on whether or not the Orioles got in the playoffs. You know, whether or not the Orioles got in instead of the Jays. That looks like it's probably going to happen. But I, I understand Seattle's got an easy schedule. There's a chance that those three games, even if the Jays have a playoff spot clinched, they're still going to be playing for something. Yeah, we don't know. You might be playing for an East title. I, you you, right. you don't know right now. So I'm glad to hear you put it that way because it's entirely possible that Ross Stripling is going to need to pitch the last game of the year or somebody's going to need to pitch the last game of the year with home field advantage on the line. And to me, it's such, it's such an insurance policy knowing that if you do need Kevin Gossman or Manoa to pitch that game for whatever reason, hey, you got Ross Stripling there. Mm-hmm. And you can start right. you can start the playoff game with Ross Stripling. You can start the playoffs Absolutely. with him. Or yeah. have him do game two. Like, I think we're looking at it the wrong way in some ways. Yeah. You, you can have him. He's one of your big boys. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean he's an eight-inning big boy, but he's one of your big boys yeah. to start a game that you need to win. And the way it looks to me, having looked at it a little bit, is I'm guessing they'll have Alec Manoa lined up for the last game of the regular season, and if you don't need him, then he pitches in the first game of the playoffs. So, right. um, but the the Baltimore series could be fascinating because, like you just said, Jeff, it could there there could be any one of a dozen different things on the line. And and to me, the most important thing is make it meaningless for the Orioles. Like, don't give the Orioles any right. hope. But let's say the standings are exactly what they are right now going into that series, and you've got three teams battling for four, five, six. I would guess the Blue Jays would really like to be home. Would obviously would really really like to be the fourth team. Do you pitch Alec Manoa in the last game of the regular season to try to get home field? That's a whole other conversation mm-hmm. we can have in a, in a week or two. Um, and then there's a whole other conversation about would you rather be the five than the six? Which is I don't know if you guys 
have talked about that. Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky one, too. Like, if Seattle's the four... Ooh. Does it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And five and six are five and six are both both on the road. But we don't want to upset the baseball gods by getting into that too early. So, um, but I, I think they're they're very comfortable. I even think they're very comfortable with Jose Barrios right now. And and um, but you know who who's ahead of who? That's that's for them to decide. And it could be matchup based. But right now, I think the way they're handling Stripling is absolutely perfect. You know, he's out there pitching big games every five days. They're a little bit quicker with the hook. It, it, it is what it is. He gets it. He's not bothered by it. You don't see him arguing with with John Schneider when he comes out of the game or anything like that. Not that there'd be anything wrong with that. You like the competitiveness, and, and he just shows it in different ways. But this is now six consecutive starts where he has been good to great and mostly great yep. to be honest with you you know and and i believe the number since hyunjin ryu went down for the season when ross went back in the second time i think he's got a 247 era in like 15 or 16 starts like it's it's we're way past boy this is a nice story like he's he's in the inner circle of important guys on this team right now against right-handed pitching do you think tapia should get more playing time in left field uh, should I, should he get more playing time against right hand? Well, well, with Guriel or without Guriel? Uh, without. Without Guriel. So, um, Overtay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, Overtay, Oscar Hernandez. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sure. Um, no, I can't go that far. I, I think now, uh, do you make a defensive change after Tay Oscar bats in the seventh or eighth? Yes, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Tay Oscar, but there have been a few moments recently. You know, we've all we all know he's had peaks and valleys defensively. He looks like it's please put it behind him, and then it comes back. And uh, no, I, I I think I I I still think I want the bat. So if they're uh, you know if Guriel is healthy, it's it's to me it's Guriel Springer and and Tay Oscar. If Guriel is not healthy. Yeah, if Guriel's not healthy, Teoscar's on one corner, Springer's in the middle if he's not DHing, and then you've still got room for a third guy. So, you know, that can be Bradley if you want defense. It can be Tapia if you want offense. Uh, if you want somebody who, you know, gives you a little bit of a different look offensively. And, and again, there are times, too, when Springer DHs and you've got another uh, outfield spot. So, um, I, I like the way I like the way they're doing it. Toppy is a Toppy is an interesting guy, isn't he? Is. he? Both offensively and defensively, he's, he's an interesting. Yeah, he's fun and he's different. And I've never seen a guy swing <laughs> and look to right field more, and the ball's <laughs> over the third baseman's head. You know what I mean? That's like, awesome. He is, I love it. He is he is sure it's going down the right field line, and the third baseman's trying to catch. So. Um, you know, he's up there trying to do one thing on every swing, right? Like yeah. he's like back leg, he's like back leg Barker every I swing. Love it. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but no, I, I think, I think I got to start tail. Uh, yeah, no, I got to start tail. And then if you want to make a defensive change and bring in Bradley later and, and Toppy would be the third guy sometimes anyways, before Guriel sure. comes back. Right. Toppy is an agent of chaos. He really is. He just, <laughs> he is. Yeah. Everything, everything that he does on the field is it's it's yeah it's it can be chaotic and it it's i mean i i 
look, both of us have been, uh, I like the acquisition when it was I made because I'd heard that about him, that, yeah, there's a wild card. And we all know there are a ton of flaws in his game. And, the, the, you know, the analytics, I think, show you exactly the type of player he is. Analytics show you exactly the type of player Ryan Maltapi is. But they just don't have anybody like him. They don't have anybody who can make teams uncomfortable uh, to the degree he can. One thing that I, I you know, I, I noticed last night, and this gets to your point, I think, about Teoscar as well. I mean, the Jays, there's, there are going to be games. There's scenarios where the Jays could basically finish the game with three center fielders on the field defensively, which is something I, I, I don't know if we don't talk about it enough, but... I, I've sure noticed, and I think Dan, you and you and I know you and Buck mentioned this the other day. I'm noticing Jackie Bradley Jr. a lot more in the last yeah. the last couple of games. Yeah. So uh, two things I think of when you say that. So one is I believe um, uh, that John Schneider loves having Jackie Bradley Jr. out there. I think it may. I think it gives him a sense of calm mm-hmm. uh, because, as you said, there's some chaos in the outfield sometimes mm-hmm. on this team. Mm-hmm. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is the opposite of that. He is a fluid, smart, attention-to-detail defensive player. I, I remember it was like his second game with the Blue Jays, and, Kevin, you'll remember this probably. It was a routine fly ball to right, and it was a runner at second, and it wasn't that deep. And he set up 10, 15 feet behind it and came in, timed it, made the catch and made a good low throw to the cutoff man. It, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter a bit. The runner wasn't going, but it just was like, look at how precise this guy is on a routine play. Yes. And I know John Schneider loves having him in there. It, you, you know, if he could hit a little bit more, he'd be in there a lot. But um, to your point about three center fielders, the only thing I'm thinking, and we've seen it two or three times recently is George Springer's elbow is is clearly not right again. Mm -hmm. And there have been a couple of times where Springer's come out. Well, last night was one of them, right? Right. Springer came out and Tapia stayed in. Um, So I think there's concern about throwing with George. And if they want to have their absolute best defensive outfield in there with a one-run lead in the ninth inning, Zimmer's going to be on the field in center. Bradley's going to be on the field, and maybe Guriel, once he gets healthy, is in left. I think the throwing is a, a little bit of a concern, and I'm only saying that because it's two or three times they've now taken George out and left other guys in, uh, guys who are not as good in terms of tracking down fly balls as he is. So I, I think that elbow is kind of a day-to-day, week-to-week thing in terms of who are your best three defensively on any given night. Uh, with Kirky in the offseason, if they would have to trade him, do you think – the season that he's had this year, probably game one starter behind the plate because of who's going to pitch it. Do you think it would make it almost impossible to trade him in the offseason? Uh, another great conversation. We could, you know, like November the 5th or whatever, we could talk about this for three hours. No question. We um, will. You, yeah. And you, you <laughs> yeah. Know, You've you, got a date. You've got a date, Shulman. <laughs> All right. I'll pencil it in. Tell Boffo to call me. So, um, because you know what, I any one of us could sit here and make a passionate case for, well, this is the one of the three you cannot trade, and this is the one of the three you should trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we could all, like, we, we could open up, a, you know, they could assign us a role. They could assign you, Jansen, and you, Kirk, and me, Moreno, and we could all make passionate cases about it. Um, and, and it could, 
and, and it could go so many different ways. Um, I wonder if other teams would value Kirk as much as the Blue Jays. Great do. question. Uh, Great point. Because you know they they see him day to day. They know what they're dealing with, um, and I think they value. I, I think they value him tremendously. Are you willing to trade one of the top five or ten prospects in the game? If you if you are. Uh, you better get somebody really good back, and he he better be a pitcher, <laughs> in my in my opinion. But um, but I think there are going to be a lot of changes on this team in the off season. Whether he, whether they win the World Series or or lose in the first round or don't make the playoffs, I I think there are going to be significant changes. Like big uh, two or three big names, I think that might not be here uh, next year. And and so you know that's that domino effect may determine which catcher you trade because you need a certain something and you can only get that by trading this guy. But uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Um, uh, I hope Danny Jansen's here next year. I really do. Uh, I, I think he's too important, and the other two guys are still a little bit too young to completely take the reins of it. So I don't know how you, I don't know how you figure it out, but I hope Danny Jansen is here next year. I, I think there's a lot of value in him that maybe the numbers don't show. I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I would really, really, I would really hope all three of them are back. I know, you know, you're going to need, you're going to, if you don't sign Ross Stripling, you're going to have to add another pitcher. You're probably going to have to add another yeah. pitcher anyhow. Let's face it. You do need yeah. to get a left-handed bat in here. I get that. But, man, if I've got those three, if I've got those three catchers for another year, I know this sounds odd, but I want to see how it sorts itself out next year. I, I, and I know you can't always think that way, but I'm I'm really, I've got a tremendous comfort level right now with Kirk Jansen and Moreno, and especially Kirk and Jansen. I don't know if I want to fool around with that, Dan. I, I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I think you're going to have to use one of them to get something you need, Major. as you said. Whether, yeah, yeah I, I, I um, like I'll tell you this. I don't want them to trade Ricky Tiedemann. That I know for sure. Yeah. He, you know, he might be a couple of years away. But as you said, uh, you know, and, and and this is good news, bad news. The better Ross Stripling pitches, in in a way, it maybe the less likely he's back next year, right? I mean, he's. He's putting himself. He's in a whole different, in my opinion, a whole different contract stratosphere than he was three months ago. Oh yes. Um, you know, so if Stripling is gone, and if you want to get the left-handed bat, you've got to make some other change. Um, but if Stripling is gone, you've got the bit. You've got Manoa Gosman and uh, and Barrios. You still got Kikuchi for two more years. Mm-hmm. You've got Mitch White. You need more, yeah. right? You need more. We all know you need more. So. I think they're going to have to play that card and trade one of the catchers to, to get a pitcher. And I, I wonder which of the three you would get the most for, which is an interesting question because one guy was an all-star starter this year and one guy's a top 10 uh, ranked prospect in baseball. I, I, I suspect you'd get the most for Moreno, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. But I don't, I don't think all three are here next year. Dan, really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks yeah. so much. I know you've uh, you've had a lot of baseball to call in the past couple of days. Yeah. And, uh, well, this McClanahan and Gossman should be a lot of fun this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Thanks for doing this, Thank man. you so much. All right, you got it, guys. See you down there. See you down there. That's Dan Shulman, the voice of the Blue Jays. 307 is the first pitch. 230 Blue Jays Central will be on the TV side as uh, the Jays and the Rays wrap up the five-game series. The uh, Jays in a position to win four or five. That, that's... The yeah the, the the catchers Dan's right, and we can have this discussion November fifth. But there's a lot that needs to be done with this team in the off season. No question. And I think Dan is dead on. There are two or three players on this team who will not be back next year, and that 
that's not punishment. We're not looking no, at it no. that way. We're saying there are two. There, there's some stuff that has to get done with this team. What I will say is maybe for the first time in four years, I don't know if you have to do any heavy lifting in the bullpen because you've got Garcia coming back maybe. next year. You've got Bass, and you've got Romano. And 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 maybe I think you need I understand more there too, but yeah, but you know what? I understand what happens with relievers, and mm-hmm. you know, going into this year, we thought they had enough in the bullpen, and at the, you know, at the start of the year, the bullpen was a bit of a was a bit of a concern. I, I just think you have to kind of move beyond that right now, and you've got to focus on next year, I should say, and you've got to focus on getting another. You've got to get that left-handed bat. I'm with you. you got, I, I think you need two. Bats. One of them has to be an everyday, really good, an everyday guy. Sure. Like it ha- and and in, and when I say an everyday guy, I'm not talking about an everyday guy like Rymel Tapia. No, no, no. I'm talking about Manager a guy who can goes, hit fourth, fifth, or sixth. Here he in my comes, lineup. and we got to think about how to get him out. And, and whoever that is, that's you may have to go out on the on on the trade market to acquire mm-hmm. that guy. But I also think, and and it was funny when Dan talked about. You know, possibly moving a catcher, what you want in return a pitcher. I do think that this team needs, given what is likely to happen with Ross Stripling, they need to focus on getting another, uh, an, another, another top three pitcher in here because I, you can't guard against everything. I understand that, but folks, there is a chance. We can't worry about it now there may be some regression next year with Manoa just because of the workload. And and I know you can't go into the season mm-hmm. saying our stud pitcher might suck next year. So let's go out and buy an insurance policy. That's not what I'm saying, but Him you've got to be aware Romano, of that. Which one takes a step back a little bit. I, I, that's unfair. I, I don't know. I would think, I mean, I'm not even going to say it because it may not happen and I don't want it to happen. I will Neither. say Jordan Romano's. He's got a bit more of a track record. right? I now. think so too. Routine. And, and what I Mastered was about, a routine. What, that's exactly what I was mm-hmm. about. Was what I was about to say. It's yeah. probably a little easier for Jordan to do that. I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to happen with Alec Manoa. Hey, you know, we've all, we've been talking about innings limits and pitch concerns, and it doesn't appear to dude's finishing the game stronger now than he mm. than he starts the game. So it's it's entirely possible. He's a big man. It's entirely possible. He's that guy that. It, it it's not going to matter, Mm-mm. but yeah, you do have to, you've got to add some big names. Like I don't want people to think this year, if the Jays go to the playoffs and win a series and then lose or, or, you know, give it a good run and lose. That doesn't mean this team is a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. There are some, mm-hmm. there's some serious moves that need to be made, but I will say this. I do think if you make those moves, you can hang on to a guy like Merrifield on your bench. You can have Tapia on your bench you're good. There, How do you become great? Exactly. Is the question. Exactly. That's that's exactly mm-hmm. exactly the question. And I think you have to look at the minor league system and say, you know what? Honestly, we're probably not going to get a lot out of that. Relvis Martinez isn't going to be here, and I don't know what I don't know what Gabriel Moreno is. I don't think anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody does uh, at this point in time. The Seattle Mariners beat the San Diego Padres six one last night. If you were thinking that the Jays might get some help from the Padres, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> Uh, the Padres nonetheless, though, are, uh, what are they? They're two games back. No, sorry. The Brewers are two games back of the Padres mm-hmm. for the final National League wildcard spot. We all thought the Padres with all the moves they made, Juan Soto, uh, 
Josh Hader, we, I, let's face it, we thought that would be smooth sailing into the playoffs for this team. They're not catching the Dodgers, but we certainly thought it would be smooth sailing into the playoffs for them. That does not appear to be the case. They, I mean, you've heard of a team being gr- uh, sort of greater in the uh, greater sum of its parts. This team is worse than the sum of its parts. I don't understand how the Padres can be the way they are right now. They just they they are they are too good, and they've addressed the crying need, which we all thought was we thought that their manager was a, they were a little shy in the managerial department. They got the wrong the right guy in there now. Still doesn't seem to be making a difference. Tony Gwynn Jr. is the Padres radio analyst. He'll join us next. We'll take a look at the National League West. Take a look at the Seattle Mariners through his eyes as well. It's Blair and Barker on 590, 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Starting Monday, be sure to tune into the J.D. Bunkus podcast. Weekday mornings at 9 on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You got to come up with something new. Bark is trying to convince it works me every, every time. Every time we come, no, it doesn't work every. Every time we come back, he points down and says, "There's something in your shoe," because he thinks I'm going to look down. That's not why. Which finger do I do it with? You're such a child. Speaking of children, since you're not going to do it, ah, uh, it's happy birthday, Chase Barker. He's ten already, Jeff. I know. Time flies. It's, a, it's, a, it's awful. He's only 52 years yeah. younger than I am. Whoa. Yeah, it made me sad. What, that he's 52 years no, younger than no, I am or that he turned 10? That he's 10. Double digits is... Uh... Yeah, going to be moving out soon. <laughs> Next thing, he's going to be car dating and moving out and going to university oh. and, you know, <laughs> you got a lot to look forward to. Thank you, Jeff. You do. I mean that sincerely. I'm not. I bet you. Not even. I'm not. I bet you. I'm do. not saying that with. There's no other line to follow. Anyhow, we, we hope that uh, we hope the chase. We hope his class enjoys the cupcakes. By the way. Yes. Because I worked hard on those. I, I got it. Uh, we'll we'll bring Tony Gwynn and Tony Gwynn Jr. San Diego Padres radio analyst. analyst. And Tony, I just wanted mm. to hold for a second because last night mm. I FaceTimed Barker before we did our post game show. He was wrapping cupcakes in decorative boxes. For his son's class, yeah, that is that is fatherhood <laughs> to the to the nth degree. Do what you have to, and they were customized to make your wife happy. <laughs> and they were customized. They were customized. That's what that's about. Tony, thanks very much uh, for yeah. joining us. Uh, hey, you you got to see the Mariners up close the last couple of games. That's a good team, isn't it? Very good ball club. Um, they're they're a team that's playing with a ton of confidence right now. Um, and you know they pitch. They pitch the ball very well. They they don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, and you know at the top of the lineup, when you got the young kid uh, Julio Rodriguez, really that gets everything started. Um, it's a it's a really good team. And uh, Padre split with them this over the two game series. But that's a team that that everybody's gonna have to deal with. Uh, Juan Soto, one for his last 21, uh, four for his last 48, huh? I, I don't even know how to ask a question about that. Can you tell me why that is? I guess. Uh, baseball. That's yeah, the I guess. explanation for it. 
I think uh, Juan is going through a tough stretch. I think um, as a as he's 23 years old, so getting traded into onto a ball club that you know it's not like he hasn't been on this stage before. He, he certainly has, but. Um, I think any player would tell you when you're a uh, main piece to a deal like that, um, there's a there's a different kind of pressure on you. You know, the expectation is a little bit different. Um, he's not. Sh- he he came into this. He came onto this ball club, um, and, and when he got traded, it, you know, there's there's instant expectation, and I think he's feeling that a little bit. You can see he's pressing a little bit, but. You know, the cream rises to the top most of the time, sure. and, and I, I believe eventually he'll, he'll he'll bring himself out of it. The question is, can he do it um, here in the next couple of weeks and get going? Because uh, the Padres certainly need him. Do you think he takes too many pitches early in counts? Strikes. Takes strikes early in counts. No, I don't. I, I, I what, what I've seen from him here as of late, um, is that he's been swinging early, which is an indicator to me that he is pressing. Yeah. You know, that's not who he is. He, he normally, um, even when he, even when he's been struggling, his good at bats are at bats that you know he sees four, five, six, seven pitches, um, and, and that's what I've seen throughout his career. Um, right now, I think there's a couple things happening. He's a little bit off with his swing, so some of the pitches that he usually is pummeling, he's, he's fouling off right now, and uh, I think that's leading to him um, really taking a different approach or, 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 or trying to do something different. And um, right now, you know, when the swing is not right and, and you're not um, quite feeling like yourself, um, things look a little bit different in terms of his approach at the plate, and so. Um, I, I, I truly believe it's, it's a matter of time before he gets himself going, but uh, he's certainly going through a, a rough rough patch right now. You know, Tony, I, I look at where the Padres are in the Western – well, where everybody is in the Western division with, with, you know, the Dodgers having that big lead. I look at the Padres in the wild card picture. They're two up in Milwaukee for the last spot, but, you know, Atlanta's got a 10-game a ten game lead over them for the, for the first wild card spot. Is is it has it been a hard? Is this going to be a hard stretch drive for the Padres? It's it's almost like I think whatever they do here, and I understand you can change, you can flip the narrative when you get into the playoffs. But it's almost as if whatever they do here in September, it's it's going to feel kind of disappointing, isn't it? If they don't get into the playoffs, yes, they will. I think um, after last year's, I mean, there's no really way to say it. After last year's collapse. Um, anything falling short of the playoffs at this point will will be disappointing, and so I think these guys know that. And, and listen, is they played pretty much 500 baseball since you know being 12 over at the beginning of the season. I think they're right at 500 to be exact. And so, um, you know, when you come through this this time of year, and these games mean something. Um, they certainly uh, it will be disappointing if they don't get in. But that being said, I think this team uh, finds a way in because, you know, this is a little bit different than last year. Last year it was a complete collapse. This year um, they've been able to kind of keep their head above water. And, um, you know, there's some good teams in the National League. You mentioned Dodgers are at the top, Atlanta doing their thing, the Mets doing their thing. 
um, you know, this is where that extra wild card spot comes in handy because mm-hmm. uh, without it, it, it would be a little bit tougher to get in right now. Who do you think they'd rather play in the first round, Atlanta or the Cardinals? Honestly, I mean, if they're going off how they played against where, and they still got another three-game set coming up here uh, next week against the Cardinals. Um, they played the Braves very well. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, Michael, Michael Harris hadn't arrived yet. Grissom hadn't arrived yet. Um, and, and Dansby Swanson had started swinging the bat the way he's swinging mm-hmm. it now. So it's a, it's a little bit different Braves team, but the Padres handled them pretty well when they went to Atlanta and at home. So there's some confidence, at least, um, against the Braves. Against the Cardinals, they got swept in St. Louis. So, again, there's three more games coming up against them, but not a lot of good vibes with the Cardinals versus the Braves. The uh, Josh Hader's uh, turnaround lately, I know he's crediting it to, I think he's just saying it was a small mechanical tweak that kind of allowed him to finish in a more direct line to the plate. But clearly, if he has turned the corner and the numbers suggest he has, that that's huge for the Padres. What, what What's your read on where he is, and what are you hearing as to, you know, to what, what has made the difference for him in recent games? It, it, it's, it's certainly been a little bit of a mechanical, mechanical change. I think him and Ruben Niebla have been able to, Padres pitching coach have been able to kind of attack that while, um, you know, a guy like Nick Martinez was able to hold the fort down while he figured it out. But the, the other thing that, that stood out to me is I think he rediscovered that when you throw 97, 98, 99, it's a pretty good pitch. It's a, it's a really good pitch, actually. And his last two outings, um, he's been predominantly fastball. I think there was one outing he was all fastball. And um, sometimes – when you when you have a, a good secondary like that slider he has, you can forget that, you know, the old number one is, is pretty tough to hit when it's that kind of high velocity. And um, I think he's been in the zone because of the, the, the mechanical change, been able to throw the ball where he wants. And when Josh gets ahead, man, he's, he's really, really tough. I, I think the thing I appreciated about him, even when he was going through that rough patch, he was the same guy every day. He, he's out there getting his work in. And uh, I think when a guy is struggling and you continue, continue to see the same work after the same, same thing, uh, there's a trust that he can get it back. And he certainly has been a lot better the last three, four outings. Tony, really good of you to join us today, man. Thanks so much. Great Thanks insight as always. Be well, my friend. Thank you. No, no problem. You guys have a good week. You, you too. too. Tony Gwynn Jr., San Diego Padres radio analyst. And, uh, yeah, the pods are two up in the Brewers. There's a scenario where Josh Hader ends up sticking the fork in his old team, you know, if the, mm-hmm. closing out the game. He he has been – the numbers are, are remarkable. And I know if they caught a bit of their game – caught a bit of their game Friday uh, against the Dodgers. He had like a one, two, three, ninth, couple of punch outs. Mm-hmm. He looked really – he looked – just looked just like odd. Josh Hader. Why are they not good? I, I just don't understand. I mean, I guess they're good. That's the wrong word. Well, why are they not better? I, you know, I got they're great. I got. I wonder, I Kevin. Like, I, I wonder if. I understand that the wild card is, you know, all you got to do is get in the playoffs. But you, put yourself in the Padres' position. You basically have every player in baseball. 
And you're 20 games back. Like you've been, it seems like I, I was reading one of the, uh, one of the San Diego columnists said, doesn't it seem like the Padres have been 20 games back since opening day? And, and, and it, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I, I mean, that's got to get old. You know, you're 20 games back and there's nobody else in your division. Like San Francisco is in retreat. Arizona's. It's like, you're not going to be challenged within your division and you're not going to have a chance to win the division tell you've been playing for the wild card spot all freaking season long and i i still think sounds that, like an excuse though for me well a maybe little. yeah a little maybe cuz you could they look, got some good players hey look at the rays and the jays they were what 15 and a half games behind yeah. the yankees that was more but, the yankees than that is the the yeah i just think rays it's rays and the jays uh, yeah, well, we're not close enough. I don't know the club. Everybody says it's kind of you know the clubhouse seems like a, a like a good place. They've got quote unquote good dudes on the team, mm. but man, it's not for whatever reason. I hear Tony say that they've been a, they played five hundred ball for a long, long, long time. Funny to hear him say pressure, expectations, and Soto in the same sentence. And him being four for 48. Uh, and we talk about Bo. We talk about Vladdy. We talk about Springer. Expectations. Pressure. How hard it is to start seasons, come to a new team, and be expected to carry that team. It's not the easiest well, thing the, to do. The, yeah. It, it, it's hard. And, you know, you've, you're, you've come over to a team that most people would look at as being underachieving. Right? I mean, that that's basically... Uh, and if you're Juan Soto, you've come over. You've come over as the final. Here's what it is. Mm-hmm. If you're Juan Soto, you've come over as the final piece in a team that's 20 games out. I, that's the only way I can put it. Yep. That's the only way I can put it. And that's got to be kind of a got to be kind of a weird kind of a weird feeling. But you beat the Braves <laughs> in the playoffs. What? Yeah, I don't know. Or the Cardinals. I I don't know how they how they how those two teams match up. I you know look I've been on the Braves bandwagon since the well, start really of the year. Team. I so I see no reason to get off it. I still I, I would probably want to play the Cardinals. I would probably want to play the Cardinals just because I think I could. I, I think the Braves the Braves are a team that could just overwhelm you, and I think the Cardinals the Cardinals I think need a few more things to go right in order to win a series, but. Um, Make your own luck sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Barker's Back Lake Bits, that time of the show where we turn it over to you, the listener, the viewer, the texter, the tweeter. Well, not the tweeter. Yeah, the tweeter, I guess. Uh, my Twitter handle's SN Jeff Blair, and uh, DMs have been open. They're always open for Kevin Bark. We got a ton of we got a ton of DMs today. I just realized that now, actually. Um Jamie Riseborough talks about uh, getting Michael Brantley signed this offseason for the Jays. Michael Brantley's hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Look, that's – I mean, the Jays tried to sign him a couple of years ago. Right. Michael Brantley, that, that's a type of – we're talking about a guy who can play every day. And and and, and in this team, realistically, you're going to have to be an everyday outfielder or an everyday second baseman because that's where the left-handed bat's going to fit in. You're not getting rid of Chapman. You're not getting rid of Bichette. You're not going to be at first base. You're not going to be behind the plate. You're probably not going to be in center field. So we need what we're looking at is a left hand hitting outfielder and a left hand yeah, thirty five or a second baseman. And at, yeah, at this point now, my everyday outfielder's got to be able not to him. play. 
has got to be able to play defense for I'm me with too. you, and he's 35. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that that's – again, we're getting back to this. It's It's got to be an everyday guy. It's got to be an everyday guy. Uh, Cardassia Prime, Rick from Saskatoon. I want nothing to do with the number two wild card spot. It's first or third seed. Unfortunately, it looks like we may headed for headed for exactly that with Seattle's cookie schedule and us leading Tampa. Tampa mm-hmm. seems smart enough to keep this third seed and let us have number two. Are we good enough to keep number one or gutsy enough to try for number three? I I just don't think think the Rays are doing that. I I don't think teams. I think we're kind of overthinking this. The Rays and Mariners and the Jays are, you know what they're trying to do right now? They're trying to win as many games as possible. Because I just don't think you can get cute. And and you're right, like I've said, given, given, give me the choice of the Guardians or the Mariners. I'm picking the Guardians 100 times out of 100 times. I still think it's just about but you know what? I may not. Jays. You quite Same. often don't get a choice. <laughs> you quite often don't get a choice. Yeah, it's like the Rays the last six games play the Astros and the Red Sox. They, they got the last nine games for the Rays. The Guardians for three, the Astros for three, the Red Sox for three. The question will be, how much do, the, do those games mean for the Guardians, the three, the Astros for three, the Red Sox? The schedules will be a big deal last week of the season. How do you do it? That's the question. Yeah. And, and again, I just uh, uh, I just don't think you can get – I don't think you can get too um, – Don't overthink it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can uh, you can overthink it. Uh, a ton of questions about Ross Stripling. I mean, everybody in the city wants Ross Stripling to be signed right now, and I think we've been we've been pretty we've been pretty clear. It's, it's if I'm Ross Stripling, this is my only shot at free mm-hmm. agency, probably, and I don't need to take a one year contract with anybody. Mm-mm. I'm probably looking in 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 a market that doesn't have a lot of really good starting pitching. I'm probably looking for four years from somebody. Ooh, at least three. Three, four, but four is a lot. Thirty-two. I've reinvented myself. Kikuchi, three deal. or four. You give him that right now today. Oh, he'd take it in, in a heartbeat. Oh, would he take it? I don't know if I'd take it if I was him. I don't know if I'd take that. Thirteen million a year. I might want a little more. I might want might want one of those deals where there's like some sort of vesting year if in it. If you believe in him, you think he can do that two out of those three years, what he's doing this year? That's the big question for me is, but he has to have location, arm speed, movement. Can he do that next year and the year after to give him three for 36? Mm. Jim McCullough. Thank you for the kind words, Jim. Wants to know if we think Guriel makes it back before the season is over. The Doesn't reason like I'm asking, or the reason I'm I'm throwing that question out there is John Schneider has been very he has been very careful in talking about Lourdes Guriel Jr. Now we're led to believe there will be another round of imaging, uh, an MRI. All John has said is we should know more this weekend. Now, what that means in terms of knowing more, does that mean we'll know whether he's out for the rest of the year or just two weeks? Does it mean he'll be able and if you keep to get back in action? Yeah. You got time, too. That helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would think if you're the Jays, your thought process is this. What do we have to do to make sure that he is up and running or as close to 100% as possible for the playoffs because mm-hmm. we do have concerns about George Springer right mm-hmm. now. So Can't have that, both. that would be my, yeah, no, 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 no. That would be my approach. That, that would be my approach. What do I have to do to get Lourdes Gurriel Jr. ready for the playoffs? Because I can't go into the playoffs with no Springer and no Gurriel. I, I, at some point, that just you're just you're exposing yourself too much. That's my only concern with Gurriel. And um, but we should know more this weekend. Tapia's been good and left. Tapia's fine. I, I don't. Yeah, they can get they can get by filling in for one of those guys. Mm-hmm. It's awfully hard, especially if Teoscar's scuffling. It's mm-hmm. awfully hard to have to fill in for both Springer. And Gurriel. We need to remember how good Gurriel has been for this team when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And as we've often said, too, this is a team that has a lot of guys that look alike when they're at the plate. Gurriel's a bit of an outlier with this team because of his plate coverage, because of his length. He's a bit of an outlier for the Blue Jays. That is it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern. And uh, we'll be doing Blue Jays talk immediately following this afternoon's game. 307 first pitch. Jays going for their fourth win in five games against the Rays. I think they'll get it. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the baseball.